Good morning, church. I don't know that Ethan got the memo that I probably should have given him because I said that if I ever got up here to preach, the song before the lesson would be, Now the Day is Over. <laughs> Since he did not lead that, he must not have got the memo. But I do appreciate the opportunity. Uh, this is a growing experience, experience for me. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of growing going on right now. So Lynn said to speak 10 minutes, so I need to get to it. You know, we have a tradition at this church that every time we have a baptism, um, when our brother or sister in Christ comes out, they come out and they meet up front. Our elders are down front. But one of the things we do is we sing a song, and it's the song, Bind Us Together. And I know that you probably all know the song, but I'm going to read it real quick. And it goes like this. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together with love. There is only one God. There is only one King. There is only one body. That is why we sing. And so today, we are talking about unity. And we're going to talk about, just for a few moments, what binds us together at this church. And what keeps that cord strong. So if you would, turn to Ephesians 4, the verse 1. And the Bible says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You know, being a, a Christian is a calling. It's a calling that we all have. And in the King James Version of the Bible, it uses, instead of calling, it uses the word vocation. And I like that word better because, to me, vocation, that is a profession or a trade that one aspires to and one that is dedicated to. So to be a Christian, we need to be dedicated, do we not? If we are dedicated to being a Christian, then we will act as a Christian should act, not just here, but also out in the world. Paul urges us to live as Christians should. Christians should believe the teachings of God. We should keep God's commandments. And we believe and take comfort in the promises that God has made us. Let's look at verse 2 and 3 real quick. We're going to talk just for a minute on how Christians should treat one another. Let's look at verse 2. The NIV reads, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And the American Standard reads, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Lowliness means humility. And humility is when we take a back seat to, it, when we take a back seat, we're practicing humility. Um, we take a, a low view of one's, of, of one's importance. Um, Let's see. Someone who practices humility is slow to speak. Um, so when we deal with our brothers and sisters, 
we need to realize that we don't always have the best idea. We need to be humble. Um, a word that is akin to that on the negative side would be humiliate. We need to be careful that we don't ever humiliate or hurt our brothers or sisters in Christ. We need to be humble. And in meekness, meekness is being gentle. It's being kind, a tender temperament, not being angry at the wrong time. Whenever we deal with one another, I, I liken that to as I deal with my grandchildren in a way. You know, grandchildren have a, a special place in our heart. And it's really easy for me to be gentle and tender with them. And so we need to be extra careful when we deal with one another that we don't offend. Long-suffering. Long-suffering is having patience. The attitude of not giving in, even, but instead being kind. Oh, excuse me. The attitude of not getting even but instead being kind and not returning good for evil. Patience is losing control. We need to be cheer cheerful when we deal with other brothers and sisters. My parents always told me that I should always give someone the benefit of the doubt. And so that's what we should do when we deal with our brothers and sisters. We should always go the extra mile with them. Bearing one another in love. That is an enduring love. It's a love that no matter what, we're going to love that person. If we have that attitude, then whatever happens, whether we get our feelings hurt or whether we think we've been wrong, we're still going to love that person. Let me give you an illustration. Last week, Jeremy said that... Uh, any good sermon had an illustration. And he also said you had to be careful about using illustrations twice. Uh, I wanted him to know I would not have that problem. Uh, but let me give you an illustration real quick. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, I had to go to work for my dad. Um, of course, we still went to school, but my dad was a mechanic and had a mechanic shop. And that was his trade. But his calling was that of being a Christian. And so because he was such a good mechanic and because he was a Christian, we had a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ that traded with us. And so working with my dad, I got to see my dad and I got to see his Christianity in action you know, all the time, which a lot, of, a lot of our children never get to see that. But one of the things that I got to witness was that he practiced what we've just talked about. I remember one time when a, a, a brother brought his car in, we'd worked on it, and then probably a week or so later, he brought it back in, and said, uh, what you did didn't work. You need to fix my car. Well, my dad was a master mechanic, and even by the age 16, I knew that 
my brother in Christ didn't know what he was talking about. He had uh, tore up his car, and when you're a mechanic, you know when something is abuse and something is not. But I watched my dad, I watched how he dealt with him, and I th- I was standing there thinking, yeah, he's fixing to tell him. He's going to tell him how wrong he is. So I was waiting for it, but that never happened. And my dad was cheerful. He never got angry. And, and you know, by age 16, I was very good at detecting when my dad was angry. <laughs> but he didn't get angry. He, he treated him with respect. And in the end, even though it wasn't his fault, he said, let me, let me fix that for you. It won't, it'll be no cost. So to me, that basically, he practiced everything we talked about. And, you know, you could never detect there was anything amiss with him or that brother. Uh, after, after that brother left, I asked him, I said, why would you do that? That's giving away money. And he told me, he said, he felt like we'd done something wrong. If I would have charged him, that could have caused a problem with him and me in the church. And he said, it's just not worth it. And so that is the, the attitude that we should have. So, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If we're at peace with one another, then we are bound together by love. We love God, we love the word of God, we love the church, then we live, we love one another, we then have unity in the bond of peace. So brothers and sisters, we need to be careful how we treat each other. We need to always go the extra mile. I know a lot of us have had our feelings hurt before by a brother or a sister. And maybe we've even been wrong, but we need to just get over it, give them the benefit of the doubt, go on as if nothing has happened. So real quick, I burn up a lot of my time here. Um, let me, let's talk real quick. Let's look at verse 4. In verse 4, 5, and 6, this is what binds us together. It's what brings us together. It's our core beliefs. If we didn't have this, there would be no reason for me to be up here today. But this binds us together. So let's go through this real quickly. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. We belong to the body of Christ. If you belong to a body, then you do what the head says. You obey him. The one body is a group of Christians that are trying to be worthy of that calling. One body refers to the one church, which Christ is the head. The the body doesn't merely consist of my brothers and sisters here at Wilshire, but it also consists of the Christians the world over. You know, last week I got a phone call where I work and it was a person needing help having a a leak fixed in their roof. 
And I talked with him a bit, and he, he told me the leak was at the Moore Church of Christ. So I visited with him a bit and got somebody to get out there. And then I told him that I was a member of the church here at Wilshire. I could immediately tell a change in, in uh, he was excited about that. And he wanted to know about the church here at Wilshire. And that is, no matter where you are in the world, we all have that calling. And it, and it binds us together. The one spirit refers to the Holy Spirit. The third member of the Godhead, when we are baptized, the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of eternal life. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He is often known as the giver. We are set apart from sin in the world to serve and glorify God by the Holy Spirit. Through the word of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. This happens when we believe and obey the words of God. And the hope. Is the hope not eternal life? in heaven with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the redeemed and heavenly host. I'm sure all of us have loved ones that we want to see someday when we are in heaven. In verse 5, the Bible says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The one Lord is our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying there is no other. We pledge our allegiance to Jesus. We love Jesus and we want to obey him. Our one faith is the one body of truth. Our faith believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is our Lord and Savior. His sacrifice and the shedding of of his blood has purchased us, has it not? And the one baptism. One baptism is the baptism of the great commission that is commanded by Jesus. In Mark 16, 15 through 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Every Christian has been baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. We are then added to that body of Christ. In verse 6, it says, One God, the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's only one God. He's not an idol, and our God is a living God. So verses 4 through 6 are beliefs we all share. You know, we can disagree about certain things. You know, in this country right now, there's lots of issues that people disagree on. There are political parties. You know, I always make it a point not to discuss politics at church. You know, I have an opinion, but, you know, I've, I've figured out that it doesn't really matter 
you know, if we believe that God is in control, then what will be will be. Um, I'm always afraid that by discussing controversial things like that, that I might offend a brother or a sister. So I try not to do that. So our core beliefs, four through six, that's something we, we have to agree upon. All right. Um, up next, Nathan told me that um, he used to be a pitcher. And so what I'm telling you right now is we have our ace closer coming up. 